Open up your Bible over to Romans chapter 5 today. Romans chapter 5. I've entitled this today, The Glorious Future of the Believer. The Glorious Future of the Believer. You know, it is very easy for us to get bogged down with life. There are different trials and testings that we face as we go through life. These are inevitable. Of course, certain people have even more than others. But it's easy for us to get bogged down. And I know there's different trials and testings that we face. And folks, we all go through them of one kind or another at one time or another. That is not making light of it. That is a reality of life. It's really, it's an unavoidable issue of life. There are issues that we face, health problems as an example. Some people, financial problems. Sometimes it's social problems. Sometimes it's family problems. Car problems, right? House problems. With all the hail that's gone through here lately. Emotional problems. The list goes on and on and on. Everybody's got problems, either a lot of them at once or at one time or another. We all face different problems. And there can be great sorrow with some of these problems. I think of the sorrow of losing a loved one. These mass shootings recently, I I can't even fathom the grief of losing a child, let alone more than one. There's just all kinds of problems that we face in life. Then there's the loss of a husband or the loss of a wife. How difficult this is to go through this. And you know, many of us have not experienced some of these things, but yet those things are still in our future if the Lord does not come back to take us home before then. This is reality. But keeping a biblical perspective is very much needed in life if we are going to navigate through the problems successfully. This is, though, really only beneficial what we're covering today for the believer in Christ. Now, if you are not a believer in Christ, and I'll explain exactly what that means in a moment. I don't want to drown you in Christian jargon, okay? But if you are not a believer in Christ, what we're covering is not going to be beneficial for you until you do put your faith in Christ. And not only that, having Jesus Christ in your life on a daily basis makes a lot of this much, much better. Not saying there are not challenges, but I can't imagine going through some of these things and not having the Lord as we go through them. In reality, though, you think about it, all the common things that we go through and the testings and the trials we face as human beings. And you know what? Lost people, though, that's the best they'll ever have it. Now, have you ever thought about that? The best the lost person has is this life right now with everything that goes on in it. The worst life a believer will ever have is this life right now. So what really is the issue? The issue is Jesus Christ. My hope is Jesus. The choir sang it this morning. See, in reality, those without Christ have no hope. It is hopeless without Christ. But when you have him, it really turns everything around. Doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. There will still be problems, but there's a bigger issue. There's a bigger factor 
that we are facing. Folks, understand this. The Bible is true. The Bible is God's book to us. It is given to us from a God who cannot lie. Now, that is profound, because if this is inspired by God, and it absolutely is, and it proves itself to be the inspired Word of God, if it is inspired by God, and it comes from God, by the way, inspired means God breathed, God is the one who breathed it out to us, used men to put down His Word, preserved it for us to where we still have it today, and yes, the Bible we have is accurate. Don't you believe any skeptics who say differently, they don't know what they're talking about. It is accurate. It proves itself to be accurate. That's a whole nother series of messages, by the way. But if it is the word of God and God cannot lie, that means everything we read, we can believe it and claim it. We can trust it to be true. That means as we go through the problems or the issues we face, God, what do you have to say about this? I can go to the word of God and find answers that will help me get through and deal with the issues I face. Every day that goes by bears witness to the fact that the Bible is true. Prophecy is being fulfilled. That's history that has been written in advance. In the Bible, it's thousands and thousands of years before it ever came to pass, and yet we're seeing many prophecies being fulfilled almost on a daily basis as we live. God's word proves to be true, and even on a practical plane, as we live our lives as human beings, God's word proves to be true. The book of Proverbs is a living book, and you see life principles there, and those who apply those principles in a positive way see the benefits and the blessings of that. Those who reject the principles in Scripture see the problems that come from that rejection. Listen, every one of us is written about in Scripture. Do we understand that? Our lives are there. God has provided a wonderful plan for the future for anyone who wants it. We many times, you know, it used to be we would talk about when talking about prophecy, well, what about the signs of the times? We're in the signs of, what about the signs of the times? Folks, we are so at the point of the signs of the times that it's no longer the signs of the times, it's the times of the signs. We're living within that time now. And so these are the times of the signs that used to, we used to talk about. Well, we're starting to see the signs of the times. Guess what? They're here and we're inside of them, proving God's word again to be true. Here's where a lot of the conflict comes in and frustration with people. Most people want their lives to be like heaven now, but it doesn't work that way. A utopia of sorts. Life on earth will never be perfect because it has been polluted by sin And with that, death has come into the picture. That's why there's such a place as heaven. That's why the Bible talks about God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And that will be a perfect state. That will be utopia. Now, we know there's going to be a preview of that during the kingdom age, which is yet future, during the millennium. But it won't be the new heaven and the new earth. And the only way you can get there, the new heaven and the new earth, is by putting your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you've trusted Christ, if you are in Christ, 
Let me tell you something. Those of us who have put our faith in Christ, friends, listen, our future is glorious. I want you to think about that, and I want you to remember that. Our future is glorious. So let me break this down this morning very simply. The first thing we're going to look at is the present need, the present need that we face. You must be a believer in Jesus Christ to have a part of this glorious future. It's only the glorious future of the believer. There is no glorious future for an unbeliever. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? What is that talking about? It's something that the Bible uses the term, it calls it the gospel. The good news. That's what the word gospel means. Okay, let me, let me explain it briefly to you. If, if we're to pretend this is you and me, my wallet represents our sin. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Yet God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. Our sin separates us from God. You can't go to heaven with even one sin. That's why people who believe that you have to live a certain way to get to heaven, they'll never make it there. It isn't because their intentions aren't good. It's because... They're still sinners, but all they're doing is piling on good works, thinking, well, that will appease God. That will get them into heaven. No verse in the Bible says that good works will save. As a matter of fact, right up here, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. We are sinners, and if we die with our sin, we will be lost forever in hell, the wages of sin being death, eternal separation from God for all eternity. God doesn't want that for anyone. Yet we can't get to heaven the way we are. Our sin has to be gone. The only thing that pays for sin is death. So either we are going to have to pay for our sins, spend forever separated from God, or wouldn't it be nice to have somebody who could do it for us? That is exactly what God has done. Because he loves us, hates our sin, but loves us, he sent his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, into the world. This hand representing him. When Jesus came into the world, the perfect son of God, he went to the cross and he took our sin on himself, the sin that I should pay for. He took all my sin of my entire lifetime upon himself and he died in my place and he paid for my sin. And he rose from the grave. And the Bible says that if we will believe in him, that he made that payment for us, he will give us as a free gift, everlasting life. He'll never lose us. He'll never cast us out. Everlasting life is everlasting. 1 Corinthians fifteen three says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And what is left for us to do? Simply believe. Simply believe. Go with me over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, I want to look at a different aspect of John chapter 3 in verse 16 this morning, because it is very important to understand. There's a lot of error. There's a lot of false teaching going on as far as what does it take to get to heaven? Folks, let's understand something. If you know just a couple of Bible verses and you know them well, you can refute any false doctrine on the gospel that there is. Did you know that? 
arm somebody with John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8.9 and you're fully armed with this issue. Because if we believe what God says and if we understand it and believe it, it's all there. Matter of fact, you don't even have to believe it and it's still all there. But it's wise to believe it. Jesus is speaking in John 3.16 and he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now notice that according to John 3.16, the condition, the one thing God asks us to do to not perish, which is spend forever in hell, but have everlasting life, spend forever in heaven, the one condition he's asking us to do is to believe, to believe. It's what it says in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, Jesus is speaking now, God who can't lie. For God so loved the world, he said, that he gave his only begotten son, talking about himself, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice the condition is to believe, and the promise from God the Son is that if you believe, you will receive everlasting life. That's what he says. That's what Jesus said. Now, there are people who say, well, but that's not enough. You also have to be good. You have to go to church. You need to be baptized. You need to do good works. You have to live a sincere life. You have to reform your life. You have to turn from all your sin, and you need to uh, be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're going to get to heaven, believing that's important, but that's not enough. Listen now. Jesus was talking to somebody who did all good things. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious man, very sincere, very upright. And he told him, Nicodemus, if you want to be born again, there's only one way you can be born again. It's by believing in me as your savior. If you believe in me, this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you believe in me, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. You'll be born again. Let me ask you a question this morning. Did he tell the truth? He told the truth. Jesus can't do anything but tell the truth. What Jesus told him was either the truth or a lie. In other words, if what Jesus told him, if there was more to it than what Jesus told him, then Jesus didn't tell him the truth. The man wanted to know. And what Jesus told him is all you need to do is put your faith in me and I'll give you everlasting life. You see the simplicity of that? Jesus either spoke the truth or he did not. There can be no in-between on this. Yet I've heard so many people say, well, you know, faith in Christ, that's necessary. That's not enough. If it's not enough, Jesus was deceiving Nicodemus because he told him it was enough. What are we going to do with that? I know what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to believe what Jesus said. People can be wrong. God can't be wrong. And the Bible is clear. In Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith. Faith is the noun form of the word that Jesus used about believe. Believe would be the verb form. Pistuo is the uh, uh, word. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. So it's very, very simple. The present need. What is the present need? To believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you believe, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus said, you won't perish. Let's go to hell. But you have everlasting life. 
you have everlasting life. Well, if it's everlasting life, how long does it last? It lasts forever. Now, folks, listen. If that's true, and I know it's hard for our minds to wrap around this, but if that's true, there's nothing we can face in this life that compares to that. There is a day coming when we are going to spend eternity with the Lord. What does this point to? This points to, number two, it points to the promised future that God has told us is coming. But again, it's only for the believer. An unbeliever has no hope. An unbeliever may suffer all the things we talked about at the very beginning of this message. Pain, emotional pain, family problems, all kinds of issues, one thing after another after another. Yeah, all those things could be there. But I'm telling you, there's a day coming when we are going to launch out into eternity, we have everlasting life now as believers, but there's a day coming when we will experience where folks, this present suffering that we have, these present problems we have are going to be put in perspective. We will realize totally the mind of God on the things that we face. And the testimony of scripture is this, these things are only temporary. Well, I've lost a loved one. Awful. It's an awful thing. I've lost a loved one. I've lost a child. I've lost a husband, a wife. I've, you know, this one who's who's dear to me. It's been so long since I've seen them. Try to think in terms. This is the way God sees it. It isn't how long it's been since you've seen them. It's how much closer it is until you see them again. This is God's perspective. This is God's perspective. So we talk about the promised future. As believers, what do we have to look forward to? Well, first off, heaven itself, all right? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and it says in verse 4, 1 Peter 1 verse 4, it says, to an inheritance, incorruptible, can't decay, it's forever, it's forever, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow. Reservations. There's a day, folks, and we're going to check in. You ever gone to a hotel, by the way, you thought you made reservations and you get there and they say, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't have any reservations for you. What do you mean? I made reservations. You're not listed here. Hey, it doesn't happen in heaven. They operate with 100% competence. There's a day coming when I will check in. Every one of us as believers will check in. And when we check in, yes, we have a place for you. It was reserved for you, for me. When was my reservation? Well, the day you believed. This is a wonderful truth. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept, we are kept by the power of God through faith Unto salvation. How are you saved? Through faith. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, this is what we have to look forward to. What a wonderful truth this is. But let me show you another aspect of it. You see, God, folks, he did not have to tell us the things that he did, but he told us those things, and he meant them to bring comfort and encouragement and hope and motivation to our lives. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. We sometimes as believers use this term, and it's a good one. Matter of fact, there's a gospel song by this name. I read the back of the book and we win. 
Guess what? That's true for the believer. It is not true for the unbeliever. And not everybody goes to heaven. I am very grieved when I go to a funeral and that person, okay, now I hope they trusted Christ the Savior, but sometimes you go and a person had no, no concern, no interest whatsoever in the things of God, and they suffered an awful death, long, drawn-out death. And then virtually everybody nowadays will say this about that person. Well, they've gone to a better place. Well, listen, I hope they went to a better place. But without Jesus Christ, they didn't go to a better place. They went to a worse place. That's what the Bible says. But it doesn't have to be. Do we understand? People, people say, well, I don't know, you Christians, you know, uh, I can't believe in, in Jesus Christ. I can't believe in a God who sends some people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God did everything that could be done and made it as easy as possible for people to live for him, with him forever in heaven. They don't have to work. They don't have to perform. They don't have to give. They don't have to stop or start. All they need to do is put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. In a moment of time, when you trust Christ as the payment for your sin, God saves you forever. He forgives you of your entire lifetime of sin. He gives you everlasting life. You've got reservations in heaven. You have a new nature. The Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption, all by simply believing what God said. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've got it all. You're going to blame God that people don't get there. He did everything he could. He himself made the payment for sin. For those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior, we have reservations in heaven. Heaven is coming. Heaven is a reality, folks. Revelation chapter 21. Here is the New heaven and the new earth that is coming. This is the ultimate. This is going to be where we will spend eternity as believers. And it says in Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. Jesus is the tabernacle. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, here you go. God does not deny that the sufferings that we go through now are real, that the trials, the problems, the pain is real. But he says this, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Think about it. For the former things are passed away. And folks, when that time comes, when we experience that, it will be that way forever. We can't even imagine what forever is like. But God said it was that way. He can't lie. Therefore, you can go to the bank on it. See, this is a wonderful and freeing promise. All the trials of life will be over. All the issues that brought emotional sorrow and pain 
to your life, to my life, to anyone's life who's a believer will be over. Think of it. All disappointments will be over. All hurts will be over. There will be no more crying. There will be no more suffering. None. No more loneliness. None. No more struggles of any kind. That's our future as believers. All by the grace of God. You notice what it says, the former things are passed away. I've been asked many times over the years, what about our friends and relatives who never trusted Christ as Savior and went to the eternal hell, the eternal lake of fire? Won't that lessen the joy of heaven for us? It's a good question. Let me give you a very simple biblical answer. Emphatically, no. It will not lessen the joy of heaven for us. Why do I say that? Well, turn with me over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 65. Now, I know Isaiah 65, it goes back and forth, and the emphasis in Isaiah 65 is the millennial kingdom. I get that. But the millennial kingdom is not the end. It is a taste of heaven itself, and it tells us what's coming as we go through the millennial kingdom, thousand years after that, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and that's what we're talking about in Revelation 21. And I think that's what it's referring to here in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17. And here's what the Lord says. For behold, I create, create. I don't think he renovates. I think he creates. I think it's brand new. I know there's, you know, we argue about it a little bit in love, okay? And you know what? In the end, for us, Whatever the Lord means by new in Revelation 21 and here. Now, I know what he means. He means brand new. But anyways, people argue that. I think it's brand new, but even if it's renovated, it's going to be perfect. Perfect. And if you've trusted Christ, you're going there. But it's only for the believer. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, And the former shall not be remembered, nor come to mind. The former, whatever was in the past is not going to be remembered or come to mind. I believe this, part of the wiping away the tears, the pain, the sorrow, all those things that God is going to wipe away, what does that have to do with? Once you're in heaven, it has to do with the past, does it not? It has to do with the past. And there's a time coming when he will wipe all that away and we will not think about, oh, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my friend who never trusted Christ as Savior. Oh, they're suffering forever in hell. A day will come when we will not be thinking about that any longer. God is going to wipe the minds clean. What a truth. What a truth. Back to Revelation 21 and verse... 5. It says this, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God, he shall be my son. We have heaven 
to look forward to. For those of us who are believers living in the last times, though, which I believe we are in the last times, and if you're a believer living today, there's something else we can look forward to, and that is the rapture of the church. What is that? It's when Jesus comes to take his children to take his believers out of the world before he pours upon the planet his judgment, the seven-year tribulation period. The return of Jesus Christ for his church, folks, is imminent. Deliverance from the suffering of the tribulation period is what the rapture is all about. He is taking us out of the world before judgment comes upon the planet. By the way, this is nothing new. He did it with the flood. The ark was a type of Jesus Christ. And if you would have entered into the ark, by the way, there was long suffering with God, right? Noah preached for 100 years. If you entered into the ark, you would have been delivered from the worldwide catastrophe, from the destruction that would come. With Sodom and Gomorrah, the perversion was so great. God says, I'm going to judge them. I'm going to destroy those cities. And there was Lot and his family. And God said, get out of there because I'm gonna, I want you out of there because I am going to destroy. I'm going to bring judgment down. Guess what, folks? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take his church out of this world to heaven. And he's going to do that before the destruction starts pouring down, raining down on this planet. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Jesus talked about it for the first time in John chapter 14, this issue of the rapture. Now there's the second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation period, okay? But that's not the rapture. The rapture takes place before the tribulation period begins. And it says in John 14, 1, Jesus was talking to his disciples. Isn't it interesting how he starts this in light of the difficulties we face And the difficulties his disciples were about to face. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is different than the second coming to earth. Here he's not talking about coming all the way down to planet earth and setting up his kingdom. Notice what he's doing. He goes away, he comes back and receives us to himself. That's the rapture. That where I am, where is he? Heaven. There you may also be. We as believers have this to look forward to. And it could take place at any time. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 15. Paul talking about the same event. It says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. Believers, their bodies which had died before the rapture takes place. Some of you have loved ones who were saved, who have died, those who are asleep, it's referring to them. For the Lord himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. He's going to take the the particles of those bodies and he's going to put it back together into a glorious supernatural body like that of the Lord Jesus after his resurrection, glorified. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain... Wouldn't it be great if it was today? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to take place. When's it going to happen? It's an imminent event in Scripture. That means it could take place at any moment. So folks, whatever we are facing, whatever we are struggling with, this is, that's one of the reasons it's called the blessed hope. The word hope in the Bible, el peace, Greek word, it means a joyful anticipation of something. It isn't, well, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not. I kind of would like it to happen, but I I don't know whether it's true or not that this is going to take place. No, this is different. This is a joyful anticipation of what God has promised. This is looking for his promise to be fulfilled. And it's coming. And it could take place at any moment And do you notice what it says in verse 18? It says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You're going to see your loved ones again. We're going to be with Jesus. All the trials and tribulation of life are going to be over. We have a glorious future to look forward to. Let's keep the problems and the trials we face in perspective. They're only for a time. Oh, but these are difficult times. I get that. But in light of eternity, and we will be there as believers, it will seem like a blink one day, a distant memory for a while. (laughs) And then he's going to wipe that out. No more remembrance of those things. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking. It's written in the present tense. It means we ought to be looking all the time for Jesus to come take us home. So what do we see so far today? Well, in light of this, we see the present need. The present need is for everyone to put their faith in Jesus Christ the Savior, because the promises we've covered so far are only for believers. But secondly, the promised future. What do we have in store? Heaven is coming. Heaven is coming perfect satisfaction and joy, contentment, praising God for all eternity. You might say, sounds boring to me. It won't be boring. By the way, you won't be there dumbfounded like you're on drugs, on a cloud, strumming a harp with your eyes just kind of bring, bring. No, friends, we will be more alive than we've ever known. And we will take total delight in serving our Lord, in all eternity, all over heaven and earth. It's part of our promised future, heaven itself. And then the rapture could take us into eternity any moment, which leads us to our last point, and it is this. The biblical mindset we can have. See, God is speaking to us today, and you know what he's saying? He's saying, according to Romans eight thirty-seven, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors. 
This world is not an end in itself. It's not our home. We're just passing through. It's temporary. Eternity awaits us, and it is a glorious, wonderful, indescribable existence forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. By the way, Paul knew what it was to suffer. Okay, if you ever wonder about somebody who understood it, read 2 Corinthians 11 sometimes and see what he put up with as a believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and look what he says in verse 16. It talks to to the perspective we need to have. He says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, that's our flesh, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's spiritual, and we can renew that. We can encourage that and walk according to the new man. Now look at verse 17. For our light affliction. (laughs) Light affliction, Paul, man, you've been through it. Look what he says, though. Why does he call it that? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory says, this is just temporary. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's our problem, isn't it? But at the things which are not seen, that's how we should look. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God wants us to look at the things which are not seen, but they're things that are promised. And they're just as real as if we see them. One last verse today in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, in verse 13. Here's the promise. If you're here today and you're not sure where you're going when you die, you can get it settled right now, right now. You can pass from an eternity separated from God in torment to an eternity in the presence of God with total joy, unspeakable, indescribable. 1 John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay? Jesus means God who will save you. When you put your faith, your trust in him, you're trusting in him that he is God who will save you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Look what it says, that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know that you have eternal life. Let me ask you today, do you know that you have eternal life? If you're trusting in yourself, you can't know that because you haven't lived your life yet. But if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you can know that because he says the moment you put your faith in him, you have everlasting life. You will not come into judgment, but you've passed from death unto life. You have a home awaiting you in heaven. You can know. How can I know? Because God says so and he can't lie. There it is. So there is a glorious future for the believer, but it is only for the believer. And if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, please do it today. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.